We're back. Yay. <laughs> Sorry for the hiatus. We uh, took a little quick break for Easter. Hannah definitely had a crazier couple weeks than me, so we were just respecting uh, some space and taking into practice some of the basics that we will be covering in the future weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sorry about the hiatus, so... <laughs> and I'm actually not sorry either, but I just feel like since I'm a two, I had to say sorry. So anyways, my name is Nathan. I'm the Connection and College Pastor. And I'm Hannah. I am the Worship Arts Coordinator at Hope. And you are listening to another episode of Illuminate, a podcast where... We share stories to inspire growth and encourage engagement in our community. Yes, and today we are talking with the Worship Arts Coordinator of Hope Fellowship Church. And so let's just go ahead and get into it. Okay, so if you were confused because you thought the Worship Arts Coordinator of Hope Fellowship was Hannah Bowen, then you are not confused. You are correct because we are talking to the one and only Hannah Bowen today because we are talking about what, Hannah? Worship, my favorite topic, my favorite spiritual discipline to talk and write about for days. Which I also don't know, as we've kind of been going through these spiritual disciplines, I don't really know if this is something that you can have like a favorite of. If it's kind of like a book of the Bible, like we have favorites, but then at the same time, it's like they're all equally important to each other. I'm the most passionate about <laughs> teaching people what worship actually is and tearing down misconceptions. That's perfect. Uh, and I was not just being that Nick. Nick. We're just done. I'm not calling out a Nick. If you're a Nick listening to this, I'm sorry. I was trying to say knit picky person. <laughs> we're okay. Don't be a it's Nick. It's a little early, but don't, don't be a Nick. Yeah, so anyways, we're talking about worship, and this is something that I think I said at the very beginning of this that I was the most excited to kind of dive into and learn a little bit more about, just because I do think that surrounding any of these spiritual disciplines, worship, in my opinion, has the most... Uh, stereotypical ideas surrounding it um, that I think can be incorrect at times or just not the full picture. So I'm super excited to dive into this topic today, um, and I know you are too. So I just kind of wanted to start the get the ball rolling by asking, what is worship? Which is a massive question I know, so I apologize if, just for asking that general generic question, but just what is worship? Okay, so I figured this would be coming, um, and... During my time at AU being a worship leadership major, uh, I had to come up with my own definition of worship every semester. That was something we had to constantly reevaluate. And it was a really cool way to track our progress because my view of worship changed over my time there. Um, but my favorite uh, scriptural reference for what worship is, because I think that's more important than what Hannah thinks, um, is from Psalm 96. And I feel like all of Psalm 96 points to um, this all-encompassing picture of what worship is, and I kind of break it down into five points that round out what worship is, um, and I would encourage you, I won't read the whole psalm, you should read Psalm 96, get the context, um, but basically it shows us that worship is celebrating what God has done, putting God first, offering our gifts as a response to salvation, sharing words um, and actions that are based in scripture, um, and remaining kingdom-minded. So the psalm 
gives us words like sing to the Lord and praise his name, um, but also reminding us that great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. So putting God first, ascribing to the Lord the glory due his name. So understanding who God is. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And then rounding it out with that kingdom mindedness saying that let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. Keeping in mind that whole perspective of who God is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's kind of been my confusion with it because, you know, I, I know the stigma behind it, but I also know the actual definition of it. And I think that whenever, especially when you just read that and say that, I think then I start to think, okay, well, worship just sounds like it's our walk, right? Mm. So how is it even, how is it a spiritual discipline in that aspect? Because if it's just all of those things, would it not encompass then all other spiritual disciplines? Or Yeah, I think worship is more about the posture with which we approach those disciplines. So it's not the act in and of itself, but it's our position of humility, our recognition of who God is, and understanding our place in the order of things. And that influences the way that we pray and the way that we teach and the way that we sing and, and the why behind all those. It it brings us to do that, um, but it's the, the posture in which we do that. It's what comes first in our lives. Yeah, and I think you, like you quoting the Psalms, I think you see that a lot in the Psalms. And I think, I'm, I can't remember, you said something in that long list um, and it was words or proclamation. What was it? Um, Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribing to the Lord. And I feel like you see that a ton in the Psalms. And I guess that's kind of more of my question just because I feel like for anyone listening and even myself of just thinking, okay, worship is a spiritual discipline, right? And yes, this is the posture of which I'm approaching all these other, but then what can I do to hone that gift? What can I do to build and grow that gift uh, in practical ways? And then even what are the practical things that I use worship for, that I that I use that posture for? Because um, I think we could talk about how it fits into every single one of those things, but just from an individual aspect, I think that's, that's more of the question I guess that I'm asking. Maybe I didn't, I don't know if I um, explained that well enough, but just that question of what are those specific things in that worship that we can do that are quote unquote worship? I might kind of go back to your first question of like, how do we get there? And then what do we yeah. do in light of that? Because one of my favorite quotes about worship, and it's very simple, it's from J.I. Packer, and it's simply, theology is for doxology, the study of God is for the worship of God. And I think for true worship, um, we always need to start with scripture and discovering the truth of God, um, because that is always going to lead us to worship. When we understand who we're worshiping, um, we have no choice but to worship. <laughs> when we understand what he's done um, and his character, it's always going to lead us to worship. Um, and so what that looks like in a practical day-to-day -day aspect, um, again, worship, have to overemphasize because I think we, a big misconception is we hear worship, it equals singing. And that's part of what we hopefully will talk about because I love just talking about that is an important aspect right. of worship. But in today's context, worship is our lifestyle. And so worship um, is all about the response um, that we have in our day-to-day -day lives. So to worship with our lives means that when we are in any situation and in any context, we are 
serving God. We are um, ascribing all the glory to him. We are acting in a way that he calls us to go um, because that's what he deserves. And so maybe it's driving and uh, your me first, your self-worshipping response is to put you above everyone else. And so whatever you think is right, you have every right to be mad, to get angry at another person um, because you matter most. But when God matters most, that other person matters just as much to you and you're going to have a much more humble response to any situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could talk about the driving thing for a while of not having humble responses. Um, My favorite, and I just want to say this because I think that a lot of people do this, and I'm not calling anyone out the Knicks of the world, okay? I'm just, (laughs) I'm calling myself out. I think it's hilarious because I'll go into like those different areas with that mindset of, okay, God, you are supreme in my life, which means I'm going to view every other person equally as sinful and as unrighteous as me, undeserving of your grace, and yet you've extended it to each of us. So, you know, the first person that breaks, checks me in front of me, I'm like, you know, okay, we're, we're good. Um, but then like the third or fourth person, it's like now my job to destroy that person's <laughs> drive without hurting their car. So I'll whip around, go in front of them and break, check them. And it's just ironic because it's like we get so mad at people for doing certain things and then we do it all the time. And it's just like we do have that. Anyways, that's just a side note about the driving thing. But I think that I think I've heard John Piper say, that worship is not just the recognizing of God's supremacy in our life, but it's the um, exalting of God's supremacy in our life. I think it was John Piper. And I think that what you said of knowing who God is first then leads us, like you have to worship. Um, I'm reading through Exodus right now. And what God does to them constantly is he reminds them of what he's done for them. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "What I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the one who led you out of Egypt. And now let's worship type thing, right? And I think that that's such an important thing. And even when David says, David starts this, a lot of the Psalms of, let me give you um, a couple of fundamental aspects of who God is. And then we'll go into like the deep depression or the anxiety or the sadness or the joy that I'm feeling. But first, I mean, a lot of his Psalms, he's bookending with God's attributes that are just solid and steadfast. He's like, you know, God, you're my rock and my refuge. He, He starts and starts a lot of Psalms with, things like that. And I think that that's so important for us understanding what worship really is. And we can learn it from, I think the Psalms I want to say are probably one of the better examples of what that truly looks like to worship. And I don't want to get into that worship and singing stigma just yet, because I feel like I definitely want to talk about that um, and talk about the implications that can come from it. Um, But I guess as far as it goes of just the Psalms in general, What's, and this is a big question again, I'm, I'm sorry, but what are your big takeaways from the Psalms when it comes to then integrating worship and this idea of worship into your daily, daily life? Like what are the main themes that you take from the Psalms that then you say, when I wake up, this is what I'm going to do to make God supreme in my life and to recognize that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you started to hit on this. Um, and I actually learned this from listening to a lot of advice from Matt Redman on worship. And if you don't know Matt Redman by name, I promise you know his music. Just look him up. You've heard at least one. Um, And you've probably heard one of them 10,000 times. There's your hint. Um, And so, thank you. Um, (laughs) Because I had no idea who Matt Redman was. (laughs) Yep. Got it. And so, um, Matt Redman, uh, and I want to attribute this insight to him explained uh worship 
like the Psalms and like a lot of good worship songs that we hear as um, you kind of think of it like breathing. There's an inhale and there's an exhale. The inhale um, is the information that we're taking in. It's who God is um, and what he's done. Attributes of our character and his character um, and how that all fits together. So that's the inhale. We're taking in information, but there has to be an exhale. Um, there has to be a balance. If we're only ever breathing in, right. it's not going to go well. Um, but the, but the exhale, um, is then celebrating God for what he's done. Um, so recognizing and then celebrating, um, and then having some sort of action response to, um, what that calling is. So David, a lot of times is saying how great God is. Um, and then recognizing that because he knows God is good, he's going to put himself under God's statutes or law. Um, there's a lot of emphasis from David about being under God's law, and yeah. it's not because he's a prisoner to that. He's celebrating right. how good and perfect God is, and he wants to be under that authority, and he wants to live in the way that God has called him, <clears throat> excuse me, that God has called him to go. Um, and so I think that's the picture for us as well, that that we recognize that God is perfect, Um and is calling us to to live and to walk in a specific way. They're not, you know, there there are rules and, and statutes and laws, but not ones that confine us um, and not some uh, pressure that we might put on ourselves to live up to a standard, but there are paths and there, there are ways to walk yeah. that make our lives better, that um, make us better stewards of our resources and that magnify his glory and make us kind of that those image bearers um of him by going in the way that he mm -hmm. would have us to go not in the way that we would want ourselves to go yeah which is kind of a general answer but no but i think it's i think that's so important because when i think it shows once again what we've i feel like what we've been trying to drive in through this whole series which is every single one of these spiritual disciplines are interwoven with each mm -hmm. other like that inhale you're talking about could be prayer, meditation, fasting, scripture, studying of it. And then the exhale could be generosity, uh, genuine, like a uh, specific type of worship of ascribing to the Lord, the things that are his right. Um, and there are just so many of these cool little intricacies that you show just in that answer that they are truly interwoven and it's impossible to separate one from um, the other, but I think you kind of touched on something that I was wanting to talk about too, because a um, little shout out to David Carter, because he did, you know, send in a couple things, uh, but I think he brought about a really good point, which honestly is thing that I've been reflecting on a lot when it comes to just any of these spiritual disciplines, but just to our walk and how we're doing church in the, in this era of church and everything like that. And the area that we are doing church in just kind of taking a couple of hundred steps back and just kind of trying to get a large view on everything and saying, okay, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And are we really impacting people in their daily lives? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you and I've talked about a lot with this podcast too, is like, we just want it to be something to where people can listen to and feel like, oh, this applies to me where I am right now, wherever, wherever, you know, they are on their walk. And I think that one, that's really hard to do. But two, I think when it comes to this idea of worship and living out this life of inhaling and exhaling you kind of touched on it but what is it's kind of an ironic question but what does it look like to do in the workplace to what does it look like to worship in your home while you're cooking dinner for the kids what does it look like to worship while you're disciplining your kids for doing something wrong or 
What does it look like to worship when you're on a vacation and you're just trying to get a break from everything and honestly to read your Bible feels like work? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there are these things that people struggle with that I think at times we expect, okay, you guys already need to be eating solids. But in some areas of our life, like we still just need milk. Like we still just need something that's easy to digest so that we can work our way to solids. And I think that with this thing of worship, I don't know if it's because, quote unquote, I don't, I, I'm not going to say damage has been done. I just think that we have had for such a long time a misconception about what it is that people just like, we need milk. And I think that that's what, I mean, David mentioned it in the email. I think it's something that I've kind of been wrestling with too, as I've, as you and I have had conversations about the books that I'm reading right now about just pastoring in general. And um, I think that's what people need right now. Like, how does this impact my day-to-day life? Not just the the stereotypical day-to-day life, but like, how does it impact the crappiness of my day-to-day life? How does it impact the times when I'm forgetting that a God even exists because I'm so wrapped up in my own existence? Like, where are those overlaps with just this idea of worship and its connectivity to all the other spiritual disciplines and then to our daily practical applicable life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that worship, like any other spiritual discipline, um, can be viewed like a muscle that needs to be exercised. And if it's neglected, it's not going to get more natural it's not going to get easier if you never try so i think at the most basic level it's um effort and just the desire and and kind of committing to yourself and to god and and saying i am going to commit myself to a lifestyle of worship and i don't know what that means for me right now i don't know what changes that's going to bring for me right now but i'm going to start that journey. So one intentionality, um, two accountability. Um, and that's the case in any new skill or, or development, just having someone, um, to walk alongside you and maybe you guys are in the same spot and it's just going to be a, you know, checking in like, Hey, how is, how is this change going in your life? And even if it's not great, you at least have someone um, externally who's able to keep you accountable. It's so, so, so important to have that just external resource to any area of growth and especially to worship. Um, I think that um, at Hope, uh, a lot of our worship leaders do such a good job of um, modeling their lives surrounding this idea of worship and what they present on a Sunday morning is not just from what happens on a Sunday morning, but it's a week of preparation. Like I'll shout out Morgan Bridges, especially she, um, is one of our worship leaders and she starts listening to the songs like two weeks ahead of time. (laughs) She starts praying about them and, and thinking about the lyrics and meditating. And so, her worship on a Sunday morning isn't just from that moment. It's from a weeks of, yeah, of building good. up that muscle. So, um, and I only know that about her because she's open to accountability and she lets me know. So if you keep it to yourself, you're not going to have that right. <laughs> accountability. So right. let other people know. And I think uh, a huge component is also just reflection, being able to sit uh, and look back on your day and your week and identify where were moments where I was worshiping something more than God. 
Um, and it's hard and yeah. it can be a little disheartening sometimes where you look at all the times where you put something before God, but it's such, um, an important way to, to build up your recognition in the coming week of, okay, now when I'm in that situation yeah. again, I know why I messed up. I know I wasn't putting God first that time. Um, and so I'm putting myself in a position to then put him first this time. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it comes down like, as you're saying, I'm kind of just trying to think, okay, like what introspectively, like what, where in my life am I doing this well and not doing it well? Cause like I said, like this is stuff that is stuff that I kind of know, but it's still new to me to learn. Like, I feel like I am, I don't know if there's any food before milk in the Bible, but whatever it is, that's what I'm like. I, I feel like this is something that I'm really struggling to get through because I think it's a natural uh, symptom of sin for us to put our lives in boxes. I'm not talking about like men and women. Like I'm just talking about in general. I think a lot of times we put our life in boxes. And what I mean, what I mean by that is I think that we have a God box, but then we have so many different boxes in our day-to-day life that, okay, God will come back to you after this, or we'll come back, we'll come to you in the morning. And because I've set my day centered on you, then the rest of my day is just naturally going to be centered on you. It's like, well, in my own walk, I have had, I have, Start slowly and painfully come to a realization through a lot of processing and conversations, accountability, that me still doing my quiet time every morning does not mean that the rest of my day is going to be lived out in worship of him. And I think, I think of two things. One, how amazing would it be if we had a group of believers who were constantly and consistently living out their life every single moment of it when they're disciplining their kids they're inhaling who god is and exhaling with the rod or what if you spend her grounding you know what i mean just like what you're saying like how much it shapes our day-to-day life when we are recognizing his supremacy in our life and we're we're exalting that supremacy in our life i think it changes like i think like for me like i have some sometimes at night uh to de-stress i'll just kind of watch a, a couple of episodes of a show or I'll watch a movie and there are dangers in that because you're not thinking about anything right and you think that you're resting but you're not whatever we'll get past that that's another conversation but I think like in those activities like I don't have God in the midst of those activities you know what I mean like this is like this is like my time okay and then afterwards maybe I'll think about God and it's not that I'm watching bad things it's not any of that it's just that I think we separate all these different components of it's like what you're saying about driving. I think our lives drastically change. And once again, it doesn't like get rid of all the bad things in our life. David's pretty clear that he's getting God in the midst of these moments of depression and anxiety and sadness and joy and happiness and exaltation. He's working that muscle to put God in the midst of all of those things. And it changes how we view those things in our life. It changes the productivity of those things in our life, right? And it's not in some, and I think that's what you're saying too, like it makes us feel bad. I think it doesn't make us feel bad when we mess up because of, you know, we're losing our salvation. I just think it's because, oh man, we, we know that we're supposed to be doing this and we know the goodness that comes from it, right? Like Jackie Hill Perry saying that like the things of God are truly good. And for us to assume or to put anything else above that or to separate God from certain things because, you know, God, I really want to enjoy this movie, but if I invite you into it, I'm not going to enjoy it as much because I might view that scene between the the husband and wife arguing and then, I don't know, I might not view it in the same way or I might not get the same enjoyment out of the certain comedy show because now you're in it and I feel guilty for laughing at it. So God, I'm going to keep you over here. But it's like, then we're assuming that God's joy isn't better 
than an inappropriate joke on The Office. You know what I mean? And I watch The Office daily. Okay, so don't think that I'm being this legalistic person of saying, stop. I'm just saying I think it changes our ent- the entirety of our life. And I think that that can scare us because it scares me, right? And it comes down to, are we willing to die for it? Like, is this something that has truly enveloped and is this thing that we have truly committed our entire lives to? Not just on an 80-year sense saying, well, tomorrow I'll get it or next year I'll be better. But uh, every single nanosecond of our day, we're committing to God and who he is. I think that radically changes, right? And that's why I think worship is such an important topic because that's what worship is. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's... <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah. Okay, so we've kind of talked about, like, you know... I don't actually know how to define it. Anyways, I want to talk about the stigmas, right? Um, and I want to talk, kind of. it's kind of like, uh, is hot dog a sandwich or a wrap kind of question? But I'll get to that in just a second. But I think it's like, it's kind of... It's a taco. It's Okay, we're done here. Um, that's a wrap. We're no longer doing this podcast. It is not, it is a sandwich. Um, anyways, uh, I guess... The stigma of worship is singing. Where do you think that started and why do you think it started? Um, I think it started because it is such a huge component of what worship is. I think it is a really, really special way to worship and adore God. Um, it's vulnerable. It's pers- I could go on for days and days about the importance of singing. And I would love to touch on that maybe later. Um, Cause I don't want to swing too far the wrong right. direction. And, and I think that, like, that's, that's the problem with the question, I guess. And that's my fault. Um, I think that you're right in saying it's a massive component of what it is. And I think that we have just like ascribing to the Lord, the hymns, like a lot of those hymns, most of those hymns were sung. Um, and like, I think what you were saying in, at the beginning, when you read uh, Psalm 92, 96, um, saying like it was ascribing to the Lord and like proclaiming to the Lord. I think that is a massive part because a lot of times I want to say verbally saying something or getting your emotive side to be in it, then usually can impact other areas that then makes you be drawn deeper into it. And I think so when we're, we're using our emotive side to interact with God, I think that tends to draw us deeper. It builds that empathetic side, the compassion side of things and then draws us deeper to, okay, I felt that while I was singing or, I, I, you know, I was in that when I was singing, like, where, where, where else can I get it, right? And then that starts to, but I think we've separated that word worship from all those other things, which if you go to Hope, you may have noticed, you may have not noticed, but we've started to say, I don't know when we started this, but we said we're going to continue with our worship through giving, we're going to continue with our worship through teaching and I think that that's a small little amazing detail that not a lot of people have caught on to, though, <laughs> because they may have just dismissed it of maybe somebody just got that wrong or like said it wrong in the announcements. But I think that that's a very intentional word that we're placing there to hopefully start to show like what we were saying, like how interwoven these disciplines are all to get like they're, they're so dependent on each other to be what they are in it in their complete form. Um, I guess, okay. So maybe more, that was more of a church history question, which if someone knows the answer, email us. If you want to know exactly the year, if it was 370 AD when, I don't know when the stigma started. I don't think somebody's going to be documenting that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I feel like even more importantly, 
to the the misconception that worship is just music um, is the issue that worship is just what happens on a Sunday morning. Mm, yeah. Um, yep. And that, and I think, again, that is something we try and, and emphasize at Hope, that this doesn't just end when you leave the church. Like, this has to continue on into your daily lives. And, and corporate worship is incredibly important, um, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It yeah. is a component of a lifestyle of worship. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah, Sundays are not enough to have a relationship with God. That's just a matter of the fact. That is the corporate gathering of believers who come together and exalt Him and praise Him. That's the exhale, right? Like throughout the week is the inhale. And I think that, and the inhale can even be on a Sunday as well. I think that's that's the distinction that has to be made. I think that's the misconception that oftentimes happens is, okay, worship worship is on a Sunday morning. My generosity is on a Sunday morning. My learning is on a Sunday morning. Like, right, everything in my Christian faith happens on a Sunday morning. There's the box. Six days a week, let me have my life, and then I'll come back to you, God, type thing. And I think that that, when worship is truly understood, and as I'm coming to understand what worship really is, then it impacts every single day of my life, looking for moments to inhale, and looking for moments to exhale, wherever that may be, throughout every single second of, of the day. All right, we're going to go ahead and stop our conversation right there. We have a little bit more, and we just didn't want to maybe throw it all at you guys all at once, just because we think it's really, really good, and we want to make sure that our attention spans are there. So yeah, I hope you guys will join us next week um, for the continuation of this conversation on worship. But uh, don't forget, in the meantime, send us your questions on spiritual disciplines um, or things that you found useful to your personal walk. You can email us. Uh, I'm Hannah at HopeAndAnderson.com. And I am Nathan at HopeAndAnderson.com. See y'all next week. Bye.